Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Amen. I'll just start here with Psalm 102, if you have your Bibles. If this was going to be an open text, this would, uh, this would be one. Um, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. There are a lot of, a lot of scriptures talking about servanthood in the Bible. If you can be seated. Um, thank you. A lot, of, a lot of scriptures talking about uh, servanthood in the Bible and, um, and those things. And, and so, you know, just arbitrarily... Um, trying to find that one that kind of fits in with where I feel God wants me to go this morning and talking about servanthood. It's an important topic for the kingdom of God. Um, much like the, a lot of the topics we've had uh, over the past few weeks, uh, we're going to be talking this morning about why serve and try to answer that question. Um, and, and I feel the, the goal here is to just offer you a vision um, for responsibility, uh, a vision of uh, of how you personally can take responsibility for the kingdom of God and for the things of God. You know, ultimately God will grow his church. Ultimately God will grow his people. Um, but he does call us to be involved in that process. And it's a great, it's a great and glorious mission. It's a great and glorious opportunity to do something, uh, for God and in his kingdom. And I just want to say how, thankful I am that even just over the past few months, we've seen our serve teams grow. Um, we've got people, I'm looking back here now, I see Petros back there, you know, uh, working in the, in the sound booth and working on our audio and visual team. And so um, we've seen it, we've seen it grow around. So I want to, why don't you give your hand, yourself a hand, come on, clap, clap for yourself. Amen. We can we can feel and sense our culture changing around us. Just just take a moment and 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 take it in and breathe it in and acknowledge it that, you know, we are we are growing in our commitment to God. We're growing in our willingness to serve God, um, you know, and so hopefully today you'll you'll uh, if you're you know, questioning why you should serve. Hopefully today this lesson will give you some reason why. And um, I do want to mention that Pastor does every so every now and then he'll he'll pull out the series hands that serve, and that's I mean that that's like you know gold compared to what I'm going to give you today. But I do feel like I have some stuff to say, um, some principles to lay out for you. So if you're on the fence though, uh, maybe this will help you. But but if you are serving. Maybe this will just be a reminder and a faith builder for you to continue to serve in those things. This morning in our 11 o'clock hour, I will be uh, mentioning our volunteer spotlight since we're talking about why serve um, in our volunteer spotlight. It's something we do on a frequent basis where we just specifically acknowledge um, one particular volunteer um, as a way to say thank you as a way to, to say, Hey, we see you, you know, we see the work you're doing. God sees the work you're doing and we, we appreciate it. Um, but this morning I'll be talking about Alex McElroy and, uh, amen. Yeah, go ahead. Give him a hand. Amen. Amen. And you, I'll, I'll say more in the 11 o'clock hour, but he, uh, he and I were talking yesterday 
And uh, he mentioned the fact that on Wednesday, he was on the panel. You guys saw him on the panel uh, where we were talking about why faithfulness. And he said, you know, Brother Madman, I forgot to mention that one of the ways that you can prepare here in the end times, because one of the questions was, well, how can I prepare myself for the end time? One of the questions or, or one of the ways that you can prepare is to serve in the kingdom of God. And I said, you know, brother, that's good. I'm going to mention that tomorrow. I'm going to give you all the credit. Amen. Because he's right. It's so true. Um, when you get involved with the things of God, it, 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 it changes your focus, you know, because we could be those who decide to go out and, and, <laughs> and buy all this, uh, these things and put our stuff and our materials in bunkers and try to prepare for the worst. If that's your, if that's your jam, my God, have at it. But when you get involved in the kingdom of God, you understand that you're not storing up riches on this earth. You're not trying to preserve earthly things, right? But it is an opportunity when you serve the kingdom of God to preserve your soul and keep your focus on what truly, what truly matters. You know, uh, you know these doomsdayers, they're, they're, they're kind of funny. I, I remember Y2K, I'll get into it here in a minute, I'm just, but I remember uh, Y2K, um, how many are old enough to remember Y2K? Right. The year 2000, they thought everything was was going to crash and burn and the world was just going to explode uh, like the computers weren't going to be able to change, you know, 99 to zero. <laughs> but I remember um, my uh, in our townhouse that we owned, my mom had stocked up. We had a little uh, uh, <laughs> Harry Potter suite, if you will, underneath the, I know we don't watch Harry Potter, right? Uh, that's BC. But uh, we had a little Harry Potter suite underneath the stairs and my mom just loaded it up with water and uh, uh, these MREs and uh, non-perishable food cans. And, you know, January 1st, 2000 came and guess what? The lights were still on. And so now the thing became, well, I guess we don't have to go grocery shopping for a few months. You know, we got all this stuff. But, you know, when we, it, again, it, it, what it was really about was fear. There was so much fear mongering going on uh, that people's focus were just focused on trying to let me build up and store up as much as I can just in case. And yeah, again, do what you feel like you need to do, but don't lose focus. Don't lose sight. Don't lose faith on what truly matters and what is truly at hand. And so when you get involved with the kingdom of God, um, it, it, it preserves you. It preserves your soul. And so why serve? If I can offer you an answer here at the beginning, it's because if you don't, you won't grow. If you don't serve, you won't grow. Um, you'll be like that, that proverbial bump on the log, right? It doesn't move, doesn't go anywhere. It just stays in the same spot. You won't grow. But if you make and be intentional about being involved in the kingdom of God, becoming a servant of the kingdom of God, um, then, and, and, and we're talking about serving in the sense of actually doing something, uh, doing something for God, because we're all servants, if you will. Once we come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we're saved, we're baptized in Jesus' name, we become servants of God, we become his followers, right? But we're talking about why serve, why, why devote your time your focus and your attention on matters of the kingdom. And the simple answer is because if you don't, you won't grow. And that's the individual response. But if I could give you a global response, if we don't, we won't grow. And if you don't, we won't grow. Let's just talk about here, Ephesus Church. If you don't get involved, if you don't serve, we won't grow. We, the body, won't grow. We'll stay stagnant. It'll be the same 10 people, right? 
20 people doing 80 percent or 20 percent of the people doing 80 percent of the work. It'd be the same people. Um, and, and so we won't grow. We'll be stagnant in our efforts to reach our community. Uh, the Bible speaks for itself when you begin to study serving and servanthood. And in fact, the word serve appears 209 times in the King James Version. And then servant appears 492 times in the King James Version. Um, and so this, when you begin to study this topic out, it, the Bible itself will take you on a journey to understand servanthood with, with really three patterns, three motifs. And those are faithfulness, responsibility, and reciprocity. Faithfulness, responsibility, and reciprocity. By worldly standards, servanthood is a shameful enterprise. They don't understand it. But biblically, faithful servanthood becomes a badge of honor. It was in Colossians uh, chapter one and verse, uh, chapter one and chapter four, I didn't give them here, we're not gonna read it. But it describes um, Epaphras and uh, Tokikos as faithful ministers and fellow servants. And in these examples, the scriptures speak highly of those who had devoted, as Brother Gann says, time, talent, and treasure to the things of God. It speaks highly of these individuals. Um, in Philippians chapter 2, you can write these scriptures down, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 through 30, the Bible speaks highly of Epaphroditus. He was praised uh, for being a servant, a faithful servant of God. Um, these and other scriptures, you get the sense that that faithfulness as I mentioned earlier, faithfulness and servanthood go hand in hand. And I know we just came off of, uh, we just came off of answering the question about why faithfulness. Uh, but these two ideas, these two topics biblically, these two principles biblically, they go hand in hand. Uh, the Bible describes Epaphras as always laboring, always laboring, always laboring fervently for the believers, specifically in prayer, but always doing something for God. Always willing to put you know, put boots on the ground, if you will, his boots on the ground to, to do something uh, for God. Actually, Epaphras was, I believe, was female. Uh, but anyway, we, that's another story. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Let's read that. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In the preceding chapter, what uh, Paul is dealing with here is the issue of division within the church. Everybody was, you know, hashtag team Apollos or, you know, hashtag team Paul. And he said, look, man, none of that, none of those, none of those things matters. They were still so stuck in their culture of, you know, I am a disciple of this person. I'm a disciple of that person. I'm a follower of this person. He's, he's my teacher. He or she is my teacher. And you know, Paul wanted them to understand that having the most followers or the most disciples is not a requirement of stewards. That's not a requirement. But what is required in order for us to be regarded as servants of Christ and stewards, what is required is that we be found faithful. Stewards there is another word for servants, you know, or overseers. You can think of them as, as the overseers. Um, and overseers are are also still servants. And so it, it, it's, it's important for us to be found as stewards of the things of God, as stewards of the kingdom of God, to be found faithful. That's what's required. Um, and all the rest will be added. God will grow the church because of our faithfulness. Amen? 
He will grow the church because of our faithfulness. If you have people that you're working with, be faithful to them. Yes, be faithful to them. Uh, show them the ways, teach them in the ways, and, and, and allow, allow God to do the growing. What he requires is that we be faithful. Paul also, also acknowledged uh, the cultural significance found in being faithful. In verse 3 through 4, of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says that it's not a big deal to him if the church judges his faithfulness. He says, however, I am, I am not aware of anything that would disqualif uh, disqualify me from being a servant, but this self-judgment is not what makes me free of guilt. I leave the judging of faithfulness to God. Paul says, you know, there's all this judging going on, you know, so-and-so saying, oh, he's not faithful. So-and-so saying she's not faithful. Paul, Paul said, look, I don't need y'all to judge me. I don't even judge myself for my faithfulness. And then he kind of brags a little bit. He goes, well, I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything uh, wrong with me. I, I, I think, I'm, but he says, but even with that, even with me thinking that there's nothing wrong inside of me, that doesn't free me from the guilt, from guilt. That doesn't free me uh, from being guilty of unfaithfulness, if I will, if, if, if I could say that. But he says, so what I do is I leave it up to God to judge me on my faithfulness. And I think we can do the same. Leave it up to God to judge your faithfulness. You know, you know whether or not you can give more to God. You know whether or not you can offer more to God. You know and God knows. We don't know. You know, unless God give us vision and, uh, and, and, and prophetic utterances. We don't, we don't have that insight unless he opens up that insight. But you know and God know how much you can offer to him. You know and God knows your talents. There's something for everybody to do in the kingdom of God. Something for him, for everybody to do. You know, I have this, 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 uh, you know, there's a, there, I just have this vision in my mind. There's this mop over in the corner and every day people walk past the mop and as they walk past the mop, nobody grabs it to clean. Nobody grabs it to do what a mop is designed to do. And what happens? The floor continues to get dirty stained and, and, uh, uh, and, and sticky. But then maybe one day somebody walks in and they go, you know, I, I'm going to decide to be the person to take up the mop. I'm going to be the, I'm going to decide to be the person to do something about this situation. I see a need. I'm going to be the one to take responsibility for it. I'm going to be the one to do that. If we had the same uh, the same desire and responsibility for our home as we, uh, for the kingdom of God as we do for our home, I think the kingdom of God and the, and the church would be in a better position. And what do I mean by that is, you know, you don't, you don't leave it up to just some old stranger to come in and clean your house for you. You take responsibility for your house. You take responsibility uh, for the floor needing to be cleaned. You take responsibility for the dishes needing to be washed. And the kingdom of God is the same. Who's going to take responsibility? Let me, uh, let me, while I'm here, let me uh, read something to you. This is a Forward magazine. This is sent out uh, to ministers of the UPCI. Last year, they did a survey. Um, this actually just came this week. I thought, wow, this is, thank you, God. I appreciate that uh, for, for, giving, for sending this to me. Um, this is a survey they did last year. 2022, and they published the results this year. It says, in an attempt to better understand the dynamics, pastors were asked to rate their stress level for several, fac several factors on the same scale. And then they provide a chart of significant pastoral stress factors. 
you guys could probably guess what was at the top. Number one, lack of a volunteer base. 26% of pastors said that they were stressed because of a lack of a volunteer base. Uh, and right underneath that, 22% said uh, uh, they were stressed because of, of a lack of paid church staff. We live in a day and age now where people, uh, you know, if there's a need, say, on the music team, they might have a talent, but they don't want to offer their services for free. They got to get they got to get something. They got to get the dough, the cash. They got to do the Right. They got it. They have they have to be paid. And so what that does is it does create some stress for pastors. Maybe it's a small church. Don't have a budget to be able to afford you to come out here and pay every day. Right. But I, I thought this was this is a this is a very interesting snapshot of what causes stress for pastors. And if you add those two numbers together, you get about 48 percent, almost half of the stress that pastors feel has to do with staffing and volunteers. Think about that. Staffing and volunteers. What, how would what would Jesus say? What would Jesus, how would Jesus feel about that? Uh, so if you, if, you, if you see the pastor stressed out, you know, just, you might want to ask him, Pastor, you need any help anywhere? Right? Now, if you know our pastor, he's going to be like, oh, no, no, no. Sometimes you just got to grab the mop. Sometimes you just got to grab the mop. Um, hmm. But if we are going to be servants, we must be found faithful by God. He brings all things to light. As servants of God, we have the responsibility to model faithfulness. We have a responsibility to model faithfulness. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, and the ministry he's talking about, He's talking about, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he talked about the ministry of a new covenant. So therefore, seeing we have this ministry, this ministry of a new covenant, as we have received mercy, we faint not, verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I love this. What Paul is saying is we present ourselves to every man's conscience. We model ourselves to every man's conscience by manifestation of the truth. What's the, what, what, what's the truth? Yes, the truth is the word of God, but the truth is too, you have a responsibility to model that faithfulness. That's the truth. Are you, are you truthfully faithful? Can I say that? Are you, are you being truthful in your faithfulness? Or is just showing up on uh, on Sunday morning. Thank God you're here. Wednesday night. Thank God you're there. Uh, is that is that the the uh, the extent of your faithfulness, right? Or can you really take inventory of your life and say, "There's more for me to do. I can be involved. I can be faithful over more than just these few things. I can be faithful over more than just these few things." But we we when we model our faithfulness when we model our servanthood we commend ourselves to every man's conscience they look to us and they go man you you y'all church must be doing some things because you you are never not there 
You're always involved. You're, what's going on? Why, why, why is it that you need such and such day off? Why is it that you need to, you know, uh, why are you willing to take unpaid leave to go and be a part of this thing? Right? It, it, it causes them to begin to ask questions. Why? Because you are commending yourself to their consciousness. They can't stop thinking about why so-and-so is so involved. <laughs> They've got to understand it. So when we live that, that model, we're fulfilling our responsibility. Luke 12, 42, Jesus speaking, and the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? In order for you to be made a ruler over the household of God, you've got to be a faithful and wise steward. See how that works? Luke 16, 10 through 2, Jesus speaking again, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Verse 11, there, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you or who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now he's talking about, he's talking about finances here. He's talking about uh, possessions and materials, but the principle can be applied to servanthood. If you are not, if you are not uh, uh, faithful in the materials that he gives you, how is he going to be willing to give you the true riches? If, if you are not faithful in the, in the material world, okay, coming to church, being involved in the church, this is the material world. If we are not faithful in these things, how much more is he going to be willing to give us the true treasure, which is on the other side of glory? Right. But when we when we endeavor to be faithful as a servant, as a steward of the things that God has blessed us with, when we endeavor to do that. He says, yeah, I can give you the true treasure. See, we think that uh, we and, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. That's why y'all amen in me so much. But we think that, you know, we get saved, we get baptized. That's it. There's nothing else for us to do. We can just go ahead and just just put on cruise control, top down, right, you know, blow through the hair if I had some, and just just go ahead and cruise into, into heaven. But God is looking at you going, bro, you ain't even faithful over this. You want true riches? Think about that. Think about that. We are faithful. Verse 12, and if ye have been, if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? <laughs> I love that. Talking about inheritance. You can't be faithful over what God, God's stuff. You can't have your own. Man, Colossians 3.24 brings this point out as well. Knowing that the Lord, knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of what? The inheritance. Why? For ye serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ. When you serve the Lord, he's more willing to give you the inheritance that is due to you. When you serve the Lord, he is more willing to give you the inheritance that is due to you. God will grow the church because of our faithfulness, as I said earlier, and God will grow you because of your faithfulness. In the, in the, in the material sense, who here wouldn't mind having just, you know, a few thousand dollars, just, just, you just come into it as an inheritance. So come on, raise your hand. Everybody else, okay, yeah, okay, all right. You go ahead and find an altar and repent. You know you want that money. You know you could use it, right? 
But what does that do? It grows your bank account, that inheritance. And this principle is being laid out here. When you serve the Lord, you get a chance and opportunity to grow. But not only you, the church as well, we get a chance to grow. There's not anybody that when, when visitors come in, there's not anybody, oh man, it's contagious. Let me just share this real quick. Sometimes I get a chance to, uh, when we travel, uh, friends of mine, pastors at, at churches that are not uh, in our organization, and you walk in, I mean, and there's, it, it just, bodies are everywhere. People are everywhere, right? Pe and, and not just standing around, everybody's involved. They're doing something, whether it's the welcome, you know, they're on the welcome team, or they're serving in hospitality, or they're saying, hey, come this way. This is where we've got, this is where we keep our kids, you know, uh, so they don't escape. Uh, they, they've, they've just, everybody is just doing something. I mean, it's, it's just like busy bees, right? Just worker bees, worker bees. Everybody's doing something. It's, it's contagious. I'm a visitor, and I almost want to say, hey, is there something I can do? Can, 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 I, can I just stay here and, and greet people? You look so nice and friendly, right? How much more can that be said or should be said of us, people of the truth, people of the name, people who know something about the, uh, uh, the word of God? Because the other thing is we also don't want to be on this, on the end of the spectrum where you walk in. I know I've, I've seen this. You walk in and it just seems so it seems contrived as well. It seems like, 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 uh, like everybody's wearing this facade that they're happy and because they're involved, but really they're probably overworked and, and burdened and burned out, right? So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm suggesting and asking is that we find, we find that happy medium, right? To where there's more people involved so that the same 20% don't have to put on a facade like they're enjoying the work they're doing. When we serve God, it should be it should be uh, it should be a um, a happy thing. It should be a, a joyful thing to be involved in the kingdom of God. And the more we get an opportunity to spread the weight around, the less my shoulders have to carry. The less Pastor's shoulder has to carry. Right? He can walk in and just look around and go, "Oh, this this is nice." Right? Shake hands, pray. Right? Greet new people, smile at babies, all that good stuff. Why? Because everything else is being taken care of. Because there are servants involved at doing what he would normally, and Sister Huba would normally do, would normally be doing. Right? So we've got we've to we've got to be willing to say, hey, Pastor, let me, let me have some of that. I, I may not know exactly how to do it, but, you know, I'm willing to walk with you. And show you can show me. And that's happening. Again, I started this, this thing by saying I'm so happy at those who have stepped up. I looked at the schedule uh, for the, the audio visual and I smiled. Right? Specifically for some people who are on there. I smiled. Because I'm going, yes. It's about time. Right? It's about time. That's not a, no, that's not a, that's not, that's a good thing. I'm glad. I'm glad to see it. I'm happy to see it. <laughs> Amen. People you can trust in positions of servitude. Hmm. Positions of servitude. Not, not positions. Now, minister so-and-so, deacon so-and-so. Right? You got no title except servant. <laughs> Amen. Anybody want that? Hey, 
His Lord said in Matthew 25, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and you know the rest. I just want to stop there. You have been faithful. The rest don't even matter. You have been faithful. Paul said to the church in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, I send you faithful servant Timothy who shall bring you into remembrance. Watch this. Who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which are in Christ. Did I give you that? That's okay. You should have your Bible anyway. 1 Corinthians 4, 17. I send you faithful servant Timothy who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which are in Christ. In other words, Timothy is going to model for you what I modeled for him which Christ modeled for me. We have a responsibility to model faithfulness. Here's a model of responsibility. With respect to servanthood, we have a responsibility to God. I read it earlier, Psalm 102. Uh, serve the Lord with gladness, I believe it said. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his uh, presence with singing. Uh, with regard to servanthood, we have a responsibility to family. Uh, can you put up Galatians chapter 5 verse 3? I know I'm, I'm audibling. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 3. <clears throat> For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Uh, try 1 Timothy 5 and 8. I think I gave you the wrong one. First Timothy 5 and 8. But if any provide not for his own, here we go, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, we can apply this scripture to our biological family, or we can apply this scripture to our spiritual family. If we don't provide for his own house, his own family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Think about that next time you, 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 if you're involved and you think about quitting, think about that. Think about this scripture. You can't quit on your biological family. They need you. You can't quit on your spiritual family. We need you. Don't quit. Don't give up. But you have a responsibility to your family. We have a responsibility to our community. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, another one. Thank you, Petros. He's fast. Galatians 6, verse 2. It was just when I was saying he was fast. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of of Christ. Okay, one more. Ephesians 4.32. I should have given you all these. Ephesians 4.32. He's doing great. This first, first Sunday. Amen. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, <laughs> hath forgiven you. Be kind one to another. So we have a responsibility to our community to be willing to forgive, to be willing to love again to be willing to open our arms to them. That, that is, when you do that, you put yourself in the position of a servant as Christ did for us. Amen. And lastly, we have a responsibility to self. We have a responsibility to self. Now, you noticed we started with God, family, community, and then self, right? 
Uh, but we have a responsibility to self. We've got to, we've got to uh, take care of ourselves. We've got to take care of our our mental state. We've got to take care of our emotions. We've got to be sober-minded, as the Bible says on many occasions. Um, you know, for me, and I've shared and taught on this scripture before, Philippians chapter four, verses five through eight, where it talks about things to think on. We've got to put ourselves in that mind to say, yes, there's a lot of chaos going on around me. There's a lot of things that I could be upset about. There are a lot of things that I could be troubled by but I'm going to use the word to take care of myself so that I can continue to serve. I can't be all caught up and, and, and in a rut and, and, uh, and in an emotional state to where now I'm ineffective or ineffective as a servant of God. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. All right. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Yea, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. We're going to talk about this. Verse 18. Actually, Philippians 2, verse 12. We're going to talk about that one here in a minute. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, we apply this scripture oftentimes and we say we've got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's true. You've got to know the truth. But can I say, you've got to work out, sometimes you've got to work out, do what you need to do to work out your own emotions as well, your own negativity as well, right? Your own uh, preconceived notions. You've got to work those things out, uh, and you can do it at an altar. Let, let the Lord, as this scripture says, let the Lord work on you and work in you, but you've got to be willing. How do you work on yourself? By letting God do it. How do you put yourself in a position to be worked on, opening up your heart? opening up your mind to the word, opening up your spirit. Don't be that person that says, well, I've had so much bad things happen in my life. I'm just going to wallow in this. I'm going to stay here. This is all I know, right? I love my worries. I know these are weird things to say, but this is what we say to ourselves. I'm content in my worries. I'm content in my trauma. You've got to work that stuff out because it's keeping you from fulfilling the law of servanthood and the principle of servanthood. So you've got, to, you've got to work it out. It is God which worketh in you both to will, whose will? His will. And to do of his good pleasure. But it starts with you doing what verse 12 said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Tower of Babel we know derived from self, that whole story. It derived from self. Self was at the top. Self, family, community, and then God at the bottom. That's what I would call a self-centered approach. Self, family, community, God, and, and family and community probably wouldn't even be in there. But God is last if, if he's on the list at all. Or you have the upside down building, community, family, self, and then God, right? Community, family, self, God. This is what I would call the activist. Everybody who wants to go out and, and uh, start an organization and be an activist for something, uh, but they're trying to do it from a humanistic perspective. They're trying to do it from a postmodern perspective and accept that, you know, your truth is your truth. Let me help you uh, unpack that. Let me help you go and put forth your truth. 
Let me help you go in and be an advocate, self, uh, a self-advocate for your truth, not the truth, your truth, right? Because life is subjective and it's all relative anyway, right? These are the activists. We, we can't, we can't uh, step outside of the order of God, which is God, family, community, self. God, family, community, self. So I've said here today, servanthood. In the realm of the patterns that the Bible gives us, talks about faithfulness. We've covered faithfulness. And we've covered responsibility. The last domain is reciprocity. Biblical servanthood is an image of reciprocity. And reciprocity is the practice of exchange. Every relationship that you're in, there's an exchange occurring. You guys have heard me say that before. Every, every single relationship that you're in, there's, there's, a, there's an exchange going on. Uh, let me read this. Servants are called upon to have an attitude of deference to their superiors, to seek their benefit rather than to be self-seeking and to be obedient and useful. Those served have a responsibility to care for and protect their servants. Reciprocity, right? Bishop Gann says this, when you do something for God, God is obligated to take care of you. Reciprocity. There's a, there's a reciprocal relationship occurring. Okay, now Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. Yea, and if I be offered... Upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, for the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Um, if we compare this to uh, the New King James Version, here's what it reads. Because that, that phrase, I be offered, I be offered, uh, is referring to the drink offering in the Old Testament. And we're going we're gonna to stay here just a little bit. Uh, there, I want to encourage you after I say what I have to say, go back and study the drink offering. Um, and, and how I got here was I was reading the scriptures and, uh, uh David told me, her, uh, heard me tell him this yesterday, but you know, I'm driving along, just minding my own business. And I've probably read this scripture a few times, but I came to it this time. And I said, why, why is, why is he saying I be offered? What does that mean? Right. I'm driving along and I just, just just I just hit the brakes. I was supposed to be done with this yesterday, <laughs> yesterday afternoon. And then I just went I went swimming again in the word. And so if I be offered is talking about the drink offering, but the new King James actually brings it out. It says, yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And so what we have here in one sentence, Paul introduces a powerful metaphor. Believers are priests, and we know that because elsewhere in the scripture it says you are a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, yes? So he's painting the picture here that believers are priests, and what we achieve on behalf of God is our sacrifice, and death to self is the drink offering. Death to self is the drink offering. So the, the drink offering uh, comes from Leviticus chapter 23. And in its weight and measurement, it was about a gallon's worth of wine, about a gallon's worth of wine. And in Leviticus chapter 23, you actually get three mentions of it. It's mentioned when the sheaf uh, of the first fruits was waved before the Lord, this grain or when a grain offering was burned, when the grain offering was uh, burned and then the wine was poured over that grain offering. 
The second place it's mentioned is when they offered lambs, bulls, and rams on the day of Pentecost. They would pour out the drink offering. And the third place it's mentioned in Leviticus is when, uh, when they were listing the offerings in general, they mentioned burnt offerings and grain offerings, and they also mentioned the drink offering, this libation, if you will. And if you have ever seen a, a, a rap music video, you see them and they, they're standing there and they got their 40 in their hand and you know they take a sip and they pour out one for the homies. Y'all ever see that? Don't act like y'all super spiritual. Y'all see that before. <laughs> right? Amen. Thank you. Amen. They take that 40, right, and they pour it out, dump it out. This, is, this one's for the homies, right? Y'all didn't know that was a Near Eastern, ancient Near Eastern practice. It's a drink offering. Uh, Numbers 15 also talks about it uh, and makes the point every, blood, ooh, every bloody sacrifice was to be accompanied by grain and wine. Every bloody sacrifice was supposed to be accompanied by grain and wine. Now, if you're a theologian worth your weight, what automatically comes to mind is probably what? The Last Supper. Yes? You said take this bread, this grain. Take this wine. Right? Drink it. This OT symbolism, this is powerful. That's why I say go study it out some more. This OT, <laughs> Old Testament symbolic, this Old Testament is symbolic of the works of the worshiper. This Old Testament practice is symbolic of the works of the worshiper. And so significant that they had to wait when the Israelites were uh, wandering in the desert for those 40 years, wandering in the wilderness, more accurately, for 40 years, they could not offer this drink offering. They had to wait until they got into the promised land before they can begin offering this offering again. This was a, this was, why? Because this was a moment of celebration. Whenever they would offer up the burnt offering or the grain offering and then pour that drink offering on top of it. This was a moment of celebration. What was God saying? You don't get to celebrate in the wilderness. Your celebration comes after the fact. You don't get to celebrate while you're working, if I could say it this way. The wilderness is the work. You don't get to celebrate that. You celebrate after the fact. This is powerful because not only uh, because they couldn't offer it, but because God also didn't, he, he wouldn't accept it. Because they couldn't offer it, we're talking about reciprocity, because they couldn't offer it, it was forbidden, God wouldn't accept it. Okay? It's reciprocal. God's not going to take what you don't have. He doesn't want, and, and probably more accurately, he doesn't want what you don't have. <laughs> Think about that. He doesn't want what you don't have. First Kings chapter 12, verse 7 also talks more about reciprocity. This is, this is an earthly king, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, going before the elders and his peers. And he's asking them the question really about how do I, how do I succeed at being a king? How do I succeed at making sure that these people want to continue to follow me. And we know the story, of course, Rehoboam took the advice of, the, of his peers and his elders. But look at the wisdom of his elders. They spake unto him, verse 7, 
They spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Reciprocity. It's reciprocal. The elders wanted this, this, this young earthly king to understand the reciprocal nature of servanthood. If you be a just king to these people, listen to them, answer them, provide for them, they will be your servants forever. Now, if that's true of an earthly king, how much more is it true of the king of kings? He listens to us. He provides for us. Right? He answers us. And what is he asking in return? That we just, we just serve him. We'll be faithful in our service to him. Now I know uh, hard times come. Pressures come. And sometimes it's, it, may be, it may be wise for you to take, to take just, a, just a half step back so you can, you can do that work, that self-work process. But don't stay there. The Bible is very clear on rest. You, we, we've taught in our uh, uh, minister's class, uh, uh, our forge groups, about rest, the importance of rest. It, you need it. That's how you get that, that uh, that's how you recoup, if you will, so that you can return. You recoup so you can return. You don't just stay there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, woe is me, pastor. I can't, I, I just can't be involved right now. Well, what's the end date of your recoupment? Well, I don't know. Come on, you, you got to work with us, right? We're willing to work with you. God is willing to work with you. God knows, God knows you need rest before you even realize it. So when you start to voice it, that's great. We'll work with you. Take some rest, but come back. Come back to the party. <laughs> Amen. Nobody parties forever. <laughs> Amen. You got to breathe some time. We get it. We get it. But this, this, this process of reciprocity is so powerful. As God takes care of us, we take care of the things and the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, I'll end there. Let's all stand. I want you to make a, a personal commitment this morning. I want you to look around. Look around this church. What, what can, what can, what, how can you help Ephesus Church? How can you be involved in Ephesus Church? When I ask that question, a lot of times I feel what comes to mind first is, is pulpit ministry. Um, if that was your first thought, just, just keep praying. <laughs> but if you thought, yeah, I could, I could be somebody to, to, you know, pick up waters after, after, uh, after service or, you know, I could, I could be somebody, I've got a driver's license, a good driving record. Um, I'm, I'm faithful to church. I, I could probably be somebody who could, who could drive the van around. Um, I, I could probably be somebody. I, I, I have an ear, you know, uh, for music. I could probably be somebody who could run the soundboard. You know, I can't stand a dirty bathroom, a dirty house. I could probably be somebody to, to, to clean, you know. Think, think, think about how you can be involved, how you can serve the kingdom of God. I promise you, it's going to grow you. It's going to grow you in your faith. It's going to grow you in your commitment. You're going to feel like you own this thing. This is my baby. Let me take care of this, right? But what you also do is you, you, you lighten the load 
for your pastor and your pastoral team. You're lighting the load. It's, it's one less thing uh, we have to think about, right? So that we can now spend time, uh, as I had a chance to do yesterday with David and Kyler, teaching Bible studies and teaching them how to teach Bible studies, right? Everybody's got something to do. Everybody's got a job to do. Everybody uh, has a purpose and you can fit in the kingdom of God. Amen. So why serve? Why not? <laughs> Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We pray, God, that, that this was helpful for somebody. I pray, Lord, that after this, commitments will, will come in. Amen. And somebody will decide to make up their mind to be involved with the work that you're trying to do through Ephesus Church, God. Help us to be uh, in love with service. Help us to be in love with servanthood. And help us to understand these principles of faithfulness, responsibility, and reciprocity. And God, help us to know that when we decide to do something for you, you're going to take care of us. You're going you're gonna, to uh, show us favor in ways that we've never seen. Amen. But even if you don't, still worth it. Still worth it to be used by you, God, to be, to be involved in your kingdom. And we're so grateful for it. Somebody said in Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 